Welcome to Cartridge Command, your weekly retro gaming podcast where we discuss and review the classic and not-so-classic games of the 8- and 16-bit era. I'm Nick. And I'm Eric. And this week's game is Marble Madness for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Marble Madness was ported by Possibly Rare and published by Tengen for the Nintendo Entertainment System in the 1980s. <laughs> it says 84 on the startup screen, but that is not when it was sold. Right, right. I wonder. Another I, thing, too, is like Tengen being involved, but this didn't. Have, this wasn't a black Tengen This was cartridge, the right? beginning before they went rogue, mm, okay. when they still had some normal carts. Now, when I said ported by Rare, I read that online, but there's no evidence in the game or i couldn't find it really backed up anywhere in a second source i i believe it because i saw that uh good old david wise did the music and you know he did many other games you know wizards and warriors some other ones that we've done in the past so you know he he worked for rare right so it's it's gotta be in there now this game was uh based on the atari arcade game of the same name with uh, pretty much the exact same levels and whatnot right on and Um, that game did come out in 1984 did that have a one of the ball controllers? So, yes, this was a two-player trackball game, which is what made it very unique right, in the yeah. arcades. And I'm a big fan of trackball games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Centipede, Millipede, yeah. I enjoy those very much. Not so much the Golden Tee series, sorry. <laughs> but uh, most other trackball games I'm, I'm down to check out. Except for the other weird, what is it, like an arena for first or third-person combat game that was out in the 90s? Do you remember that? Oh, no. No. <laughs> Well, if someone so. else does, let me know. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But this game, Marble Madness, was based on that Atari game designed by Mark Cerny. And um, he also produced a bunch of other games and designed more as he went on, uh, such as Sonic 2. Oh, okay. But most known on the Crash Bandicoot uh, and the Spyro game series. Oh, wow, okay. Some, some big franchises. Yeah, and you know, had his hand in almost all of those cool but then he uh, went on to executive produce some games and uh still working today he executive produced the most recent spider-man game for the playstation 4 oh wow okay man veteran of the video games industry yes indeed now this game was built on the atari system one which was its own set of uh chips that could be moved around on one specific board and it was originally designed for what they thought would be better hardware Mm-hmm. And they had to scale back a lot of things oh, okay. for the hardware they were given. Because this is the same hardware that uh, Indiana Jones Temple of Doom was on. Oof, okay. Have you ever played that in the arcade? Uh, long ago, very briefly. Don't worry, you'll, you'll get your chance again at the Galloping Ghost. Oh. And uh, more importantly, Road Blasters. Okay. So, I mean, the hardware obviously had some chops. Sure, yeah, yeah. Now, as you said, this was a two-player game in the arcade with trackballs, which made the ports a little hard because everything you're porting it to pretty much did not have a trackball. Right, right. And it was ported to pretty much every system that existed. It was a very broadly released game, uh, if I remember right. Yeah, I remember seeing it on uh, PCs quite often. Sure, yeah. And uh, it was ported to everything, but apparently the Amiga version was probably the most arcade accurate. Oh, okay. And you know what? I found that to be true in my brief experience with the Amiga, that its ports of arcade games looked pretty spot on. Okay. Yeah, I, I have no no experience with the Amiga, so I couldn't tell you. It was pretty rad for its time. 
I remember the commercials. Amiga. Oh, yeah. I played <laughs> some games on it. Uh, my Most of my experience with Amiga comes from using it as an editing machine when uh-huh. I, for the video toaster software Ooh. that really revolutionized uh, home video. And once you know the wipes that came on that uh, machine, you saw them for the next, like, 10 years <laughs> in local commercials forever. <laughs> awesome. It was great. <laughs> there was a proposed sequel to this game that was uh, going to be Marble Man in Marble Madness 2. Oh, okay. And it was supposed to have a lot more levels and a kind of similar uh, play style, though, okay. with keeping the trackball. Uh, but when Atari was bought out, that game was scrapped. Uh, so no boards were ever made of it. I see, I see. And then finally, as time went on, I think you know this game got harder and harder to find. Um, a lot of Atari's uh, games were bought by Midway. Oh, right, right. And they weren't really real. This was not really re-released, I don't think, as often as many of the other ones. That's weird because it seems like it's such a small game mm-hmm. that it would be easy. Well, it was in one case that I did love, and that is in the game Lego Dimensions. Oh, oh yeah? Their entry to the Toys of Life uh, series, which sadly, I, the only console I have it for is the Wii U. Oh, okay. Um, and Xbox 360. I did buy one for it on clearance because I was like, I need this on another system because I really enjoyed that game. Okay. It okay. allows you to play through all kinds of different universes with different characters. And one of the expansion packs was the Midway Arcade series. Ah. So there was um, arcade games that were Lego-fied and just the originals as well. And it was an unlockable in the Midway Arcade series. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Super cool because because of that, I have a Lego uh, Defenders arcade cabinet and the Spy Hunter car. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And and you can also thank the uh, Dimension series for having a Lego Mr. T, (laughs) E.T., and Gremlins. Wow. Man. That's uh, some... Oh, and Michael Knight. Really? Man, okay. They're really yeah. cranking it out, man. Good on them. And a little backstory on me. I'm also, in addition to all the other forms of nerd, a big Lego <laughs> nerd. So uh, I think now that I've finished my spider buggy, the uh, kit what might be my next big Lego project. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, Nick, now that we're done jamming out to that beautiful tune. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the gameplay. What kind of game is Marble Madness? It's, uh, well, it's a marble racing game, essentially. Yeah. Um, you know, The only one? Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. In many ways, uh, it's kind of like the predecessor to Monkey Ball. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can see that. This game would really just be a, a mini game in maybe today's modern world. Right, it it is relatively, you know, you only have your your six tracks and. Um, what about controls, Nick? How's the jump in this game? Well, sir, there is not a jump. The um, only time you're jumping is if you have a lot of momentum and you hit a ramp. Yep, yep, pretty much. Um, really, control wise, um, your A button is a turbo charge button that mm-hmm. helps accelerates you a little bit, but it seems kind of squirrely. I don't know when it takes effect. If it's a dash or just a general. I really only used it in the very final level of the game. I only, yeah, I use it in a few, there's... Or if I had a big straight area, the area I wanted to go straight on. Sometimes there are, there are certain ledges that you can take for shortcuts that yeah. you, you won't make it over if you don't use this. Turbo charge, so you've got that. And then other than that, really, your only controls are your D-pad. Now, what's nice is they do give you two control options. Sadly, one of them is useless, <laughs> but you are given those options. Yeah, so this game takes place in a large isometric grid, so you kind of Qbert style are going to be you have to deal with 
your orientation doesn't match the the lines of the grid, so to speak. True, but luckily the fidelity of the D-pad on a Nintendo controller does allow you to do diagonals. Yeah, so you can. So choose... this is not like uh, Qbert. You're not forced into that weird up means you know pressing up is upright. Yeah, because I revisited Qbert uh, a couple months ago at at a, at a, the big arcade, mm -hmm. and I was like, maybe it was just so hard because I was a kid. Right, right. No, it is just awful to play. You just have to memorize it. You're, you get used to it, I guess, yeah. you know? And um, one thing I didn't realize, because I don't remember playing it on maybe a new unit or I was so young, is that when you fail, there's like a thing that beats the cabinet, like a hard knock. Oh, wow. That's like, makes you feel like an extra failure. <laughs> you idiot. But back to this, the controls, um, if you use the 90 degrees, you are using diagonals. But if you use the 45 degrees, left is a 45 degree angle right right which i just find way too confusing yeah i maybe greater players can figure it out but or, or get used to it you know but i just stuck with the 90 degrees and i don't think there's really anything wrong with that control scheme yeah and i don't think that it's i didn't have any problems with the controls the on the 90 degree version that i took agreed now there are no lives in this game that's true you um you can fall off uh, you can be crushed by certain things, certain enemies, obstacles. Eaten. Will yeah, will just destroy you um, or or uh, turn into acid. We'll talk about all these a little later. Yeah. Um. So you you know the only real penalty you have is is time. It takes time for you to respawn, and since it's a race, you have uh, X amount of seconds per level that you um, are up against. If you run out of time, it's over. You got to start all over. Start at the beginning of the mini courses. There is no continuing after a race that's right so it's it's all one big long uh, gauntlet and at the end of each race any extra time you had is carried over to the next race yes and, and that's that, really the meta game here yeah it's a it's a key component because towards the end of the game you know you start off with i think 60 seconds mm -hmm. and each track will give you more time when you start it but the well, last it will, two it will give you a new set of time but that amount drops with yeah. each race. So by the time you're getting to the hardest tracks at the end, you're only getting 20 seconds added. And yeah. that is not enough to finish these tracks. So you have to kind of build up a stock of extra time for later in the game. You know, and, and that's a, a pretty cool mechanic in a way, I think, because even since you have to keep starting over if you fail, you know, um, it gives you objectives. So you're not just playing through these first levels again. Oh, boring. I've done it. You know, you're mm -hmm. trying to shave off a couple seconds uh, each time to add on to your final go. Now, there are also points in this game and you get them by, I don't know what, rolling well, around. There are weird secret bonus things. Sometimes you can um, you get to weird areas. Like I think in the, is it the first level that has those little like checkerboard marks on either side? Yes. If you can jump over there, it gives you bonus points. Okay. You can, if you knock off the bad guy marble points and then at certain levels of points there is another bonus you get a little wand comes down and taps you and gives you more time is that what it is it's points yeah. okay I, i'm 90 percent sure i had no idea i could not figure it out um, i mean i'm just guessing but that's that's what i would assume is happening because it to me always happened at different times it, it always it seemed very random to me so i was just you know happy when it happened but i didn't know how to get it to to happen because mm -hmm. i like those I like the time. You definitely need that extra time. You know, at the end, you are given a high score, and then there's a leaderboard that it keeps of uh, the high scores. That's right, yeah. And uh, there is two-player mode. So if you want, you can play this two players simultaneously as a race. Yeah, which is a cool option. It's pretty fun. Because that can be, you know, you can knock each other off, mess with each other to win. Um, mm -hmm. You do get a little more extra time for playing two players. Yeah, because 
you can only go as far as the other player will allow you. So it's a uh, one way you can kind of fudge it is if you start a two player game, you get the extra time and then just leave. You know what I mean? Like, oh. I read that I didn't do it, but it's something that I remembered. I was like, oh yeah, I think I used to do that. Mm-hmm. Very wise tactic indeed. Huh? Well, Nick, this game uh, doesn't have a lot going on, but it does have some weird controls. So what is the manual situation? Well, it's a very brief manual. It's only 11 pages. I can imagine that. Yeah, it's black and white. There's no real art and drawn screenshots. You know, I always go back and forth on drawn screenshots. I, there's a certain charm to them. I don't mind them. that I like. Yeah, I, I kind of like them. I just sometimes I feel bad for someone. Like this game, there's so many of those little, like, it's a diagonal grid pattern. Like, yeah. ugh, bust out that ruler. I bet this was a real joy to draw. Mm-hmm. But, um... The majority of this brief manual um, explains the controls. It does give you hints about shortcuts and some bonus point stuff. So it lets you know that you can, you know, it even points out that little checkerboard area on the first level, certain things. So, okay. you know, it does encourage a little bit of exploration. Right. But that's really about it, man. <laughs> There's not well, much more. Since so much of this game is based on your points and how many points you achieved, does it give you a place to record these points? It does not. Oh man, really? Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's a really short one, man. And it, it kind of interestingly enough, you know, where it talks about the forty-five degrees slash ninety degrees controller thing, mm-hmm. it suggests that you hold your controller at an angle when you choose the forty-five one, which sounds so confusing to me. It'd be even worse. I don't know. <laughs> this seems very odd. Yeah, it's kind of strange there, but I mean, it does it does what it needs. It explains a simple game efficiently. Well, Nick, what was your personal history with Marble Madness? Well, I owned this game uh, for really? the NES. Yeah. Um, did you request it? No, it was. Uh, did your Did your grandparents get yes, it for you? Yes, it was a it was a grandparents' gift. Because um, it's almost like semi like scientific or educational. It's not violent. That's why I figured it would yeah, be from yeah. them. I mean, it, it joined other like Othello was one I got or oh. RC Program, maybe the best one. Oh, that that's from. That's definitely a good one. The grandparents. But uh, this one, I was, uh, you know, it was pretty thoughtful because I had actually played this game before on my grandfather's old PC. Okay. So I'd played it a bit there. Um, and, and for me, I remember seeing it on school computers, on, on for some reason, uh, Macintoshes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, anything, nonviolent entertainment, they'll, they'll, they'll give it to you. Yeah. I don't recall if I beat it. I know I got to the final level. Mm-hmm. So there, that's about it. You know, I, it's one of those games that... I wasn't super thrilled to have, but you know it's simple enough and easy-ish, so you could you know you can just play it a bit yeah. for a little while every now and then. And I've mentioned before that you know once we got to college and then a little after that we really started getting back into playing some of our older games. Mm-hmm. Busted mm-hmm. out the Nintendo again, went through a lot of things when there was a ton of us guys living in one house. Right, right. And somehow Marble Madness I think entered that rotation at that point. Yeah, I don't I, know if it was your copy or where it came from. Maybe it's one that you know held on, and it, you know there were certain there were only a few NES games that I had that survived the Super Nintendo transition, where mm-hmm. I had to get rid of them all to get some money. And something tells me that could be one because who would buy that? Yeah, there were a few, uh, you know, Metal Gear Two, Snake's Revenge, you know, games that I just if if it was less than a dollar, I wasn't selling it, so right. you, it wasn't worth it. And while I think I rented this game as a child, it was during that period uh, after college that I really got obsessed with this game briefly and played a lot of it. Okay. And I I don't know if I beat it at that point or not, but I know I got to the last level because uh, when I played through it again this time, it was all very familiar to me. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Which brings us to our more recent experience with this game, Nick. Um, um, go ahead, man. <laughs> for me, um, I really only played it once. That's all I needed to, to play it. Right, um, right. I played through it all natural and got to the last level, but did not beat it. Same here. Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, eh, do, how many days do I, how much time do I want to spend on this game? Yeah. So I played it two, I think two more times. And then I was like, I'm just going to save state between levels. Sure. And really yeah. maximize my, my time and beat the game that way, which I did. Oh, okay. I, I played it a little bit. Uh, I never, I wasn't able to beat it because, you know, even though I had done the save states and stuff, I it was kind of time crunched and you know, I got to the end and I really, I it really intrigued me in a way where I kind of want to try to beat it for real. You mm-hmm. know, like I, I remembered it, you know, it took me back. I don't know. Now that I remembered my obsession with it, um, I, I too am going to add it to my, my list of just, you know, I want to putz around with a game for a few minutes. It's a, it's yeah. Uh, because the other thing I thought was really fun was that I did not really explain this game to my children. Right. And I, you know, put it on, I played it for them and I was like, we're all going to play. We'll take turns and then we'll race. And uh, I played through, and they're like, okay, it looks pretty cool. Right. right. And then I gave them the controller without really much explanation. And while the controls in this game are good, they do take a little bit of getting used to. Right, right. And especially the momentum of the ball. Definitely, yeah. So the look on their face was classic (laughs) as they were like, what? This is way harder than I thought it was. Yeah, it is is, uh, deceptive in that fashion. But once you get used to it, even they were getting pretty far in the game yeah. on their you know, second, third, fourth try. Sure. All right, folks, here we are in the general chat portion of our show. And I would just like to start by saying I'm not sure when I got addicted to this game. But I'm going to say the addiction is going to stay for a little bit. Yeah. I'm going to keep playing this game. Yeah. It's a, it's a light enough game to... I'm trying to kill 10 minutes while I'm waiting on something. You know, you, yeah. could, you could bust it out, see how well you do. You know, Well, a playthrough online, uh, if you watch them, is like six minutes. Yeah, I mean, if you're good enough and you've mastered it, this is, yeah, an easy game that anyone could speed run. Oh, yeah. And it's all just about, you know, finding the shortest route between areas. But really, you know, one thing we didn't mention as much is that momentum. You know, mm-hmm. when you are moving this ball around, there are um, simulated 3D landscapes. Yeah. So... When you go down a hill, it's going to pick up speed. When you hit the other side of that hill, it's going to be resistant to, to climbing that ledge. So you need to, you know, lay off the controls and then add some more push to it when it sure. does get to that other side. Yeah, because, you know, all of these levels, except for one, you start at the top and are moving down. So you're kind of downhill building up uh, speed as you go. Yeah. Now, as far as graphics are concerned, there's not a lot involved, but the quote-unquote levels or backgrounds do look really good they, i love them yeah they are isometric and they have a kind of grid pattern on them which makes them look a lot more high-tech than they were yeah i see i'm kind of i don't know apologist a fan for isometric graphics a mm-hmm. lot of times and you're not even uh british that's right yeah well yeah it's a lot more common in, uh or it seems that way in the aisles but it uh you know it just there's more of a kind of linear energy to it i, I really like the way it looks and but to the downside being certain games that have used it they you get weird controls mm-hmm. in my mind i'm thinking of uh what's the game where you're like the wizard and it's like a one-hit kill oh uh the immortal the immortal yeah Ooh. i'm thinking of the immortal for yeah. genesis or like zaxxon like oh, if yeah. you remember you know what i mean like you get a little more to it that you know some games will make use of it because you can actually then display instead of two dimensions you can kind of get the third one in there. right and since there's not a whole lot going on in this game i think they were able to really put some power into the animations while the ball is a sphere 
that does have a set of uh, like little stars inside mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And they do move around very fluidly to yeah. give you like the rotation of that ball. And, you know, another thing about the isometric thing is that I can't imagine playing this game any other way. Like if it was a straight overhead or... Right. You know, it would Well, you wouldn't just wouldn't have sense. the information you need. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, it definitely belongs here. And there are a few enemies in the game, and they're all very interesting and also very well animated. I'm yeah. thinking of like the the jumping tube creatures. Um, yeah, the marble munchers. Yeah, when they flare out as they land and stuff, it's really good looking. Yeah, sure. Or even your death animations. You know, sometimes you'll get crushed in, into little dust and a or little d- dissolve into acid. Yeah, and the broom will come sweep you up. Those and all reform. look really nice. Yeah, yeah. But I think uh, our favorite part of this game would probably be the music. Definitely, yes. It's uh, it's great music. I had forgotten about that, and mm-hmm. uh, I really enjoyed it. And I was I was really happy when I found out it was David Wise because the first thing, I was like, this sounds just like a David Wise type of jazzy kind of you yeah. know fun stuff. And it is. It really keeps you grooving along. It's uh, just a standout music all around for every level. Yeah, and I mean the game itself, since the each of the levels are what, maybe a minute at the longest. Right. It doesn't give you time to get sick of it, too. So. Yeah, which brings me to the biggest gripe of this game is that it is very, very short. Yeah. I mean, if I had bought this game, like, with my own money, yeah. I would have been a little upset. Yeah, it's um, it wouldn't have been worth 50 or 60, 80s dollars, that's for certain. But yeah. It's, you know, um, the challenge of, it, I mean, it's not, it's not easy for being so short, but it's just kind of frustrating if you have to keep going through the same levels over and over, mm-hmm. you know? And let's say you did master it. I mean, there's not a whole lot there once you have this game down. Yeah, you can try for higher scores, I guess. But that's, you know, that's a old school, even older school than my kind of game style, you know, where you, that's a previous arcade generation kind mm-hmm. of thing. I'll only allow that in Joust. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not bad, but it, you, I really got to like that game. The yeah. score itself isn't going to pull and me in. The biggest problem is that it is a, a five or six minute loop that you would be completing just to achieve that higher score yeah definitely all right folks here we are in the level by level portion of the show and there are six levels in this game six count them six and the very first level is well the practice race at least that's what they call it yeah they all have a little title but this is not just practice because if you fail You've, you have to start over. Yeah, yeah. And this does count as the points in it carry over to the other races. That's right. And Same. The time. time. The time. Oh, it's all about the time. Most importantly, the time. So the very first racetrack is all gray with some yellows and reds, mm-hmm. but it's pretty safe. There's very few places to fall off. Yeah, you uh, start with 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. And you just got to make your way to the bottom. It's really very easy, and it's really just getting you used to how the controls now at the very bottom you can fall off but even the corners are flared up so that you have a little more room to bounce around yeah it's a little zigzag path that's sloped inward so it's kind of tough to fall off um those flared parts the corners you can use them to in combination with your turbo charge to hop over and get some bonus points but i never do it yeah i i don't know how many points you get bonus or more time but the danger is not worth it to me yeah i didn't realize that points can equal time so they might be worth it then but anything that was like extra points i always just ignored because i didn't didn't care now you may think you can just drop off this first ledge to the smaller ledge where those are but one thing we didn't mention is that a certain distance of fall will also kill you that's right so you need to be careful there but this first race really is the training wheels 
Sure, yeah, it uh, doesn't throw anything too crazy at you, and it's a good spot to get used to your controls. Now, following that, you're going to have the second race, which is the beginner race. Yeah, this one's uh, blue and gray colored. Yep, also looking pretty awesome. Now, this one ups the ante a little bit because you've got some ledges, some definitely dangerous falls are possible, but mm. your first enemies are introduced here. That's right, you'll see the steely, which is the black marble that will come after you. Yeah, and... You know, I don't mess with him. I don't ever. I know either. there's extra points in it if you can hurt him, but I find it easier just to zoom by, right on by. The, uh, yeah, this one doesn't really put up too much of a fight. It's more of a mild annoyance at best. Now, at the middle area, you do have another enemy. Uh, yeah, the marble munchers will be down here. And if you stay in one spot too long, they will jump on you and eat you. Generally, if you're just moving, their their jump isn't fast enough to catch you. So unless you're, you know, if mm -hmm. you're moving in a straight line. Now, can you hurt them if you run into them? I don't think so. Okay. I'm not sure. I, I think like running into them will trigger a jump. Gotcha. Now, partway through the level, there is your first moving portion, and that is a lever area that moves up and down. So if you get there at the wrong time, you have to wait a few moments. Yeah, it's a, kind of a drawbridge sitch. Mm -hmm. And then you're given a branching path. You can either decide to take the long route, uh, which honestly is my preferred method. Yeah. Or the short route, which is down a tube onto some hilly areas. I Normally, you know, this is a something we'll see in the future a lot in this game where you have the split path where there's a short, tougher section or a long, easier section. Mm -hmm. And normally I won't take the short ones, but here I, I do. Uh, I've, I have trouble with some of the long turns, so I would just go with the, the bumps aren't that bad. No, they're not, really, if you want to take that one. They both meet up. Um, into one tube that takes you to the bottom where there is like a a pit that spirals to a center area yeah it's kind of a hexagonal shape and like this is the hardest part of this level i think because... it definitely is my tactic is to go along the top ridge yeah and if you do that you can either sometimes just skirt all the way along the top or if you do curve in usually it's not bad enough to get sucked into that hole or the pit on the other side yep it's a uh, it's a little tricky uh you gotta like you said ride the edges is the best bet for sure because that, if you go through the middle, even if you're going nice and fast, it you get a weird squirrely effect on your ability to steer. Mm -hmm. Now, if you do complete that race, you get to move on to the the third race, the intermediate race, and this is the first one where you and the you and your opponent start on different pillars. That's right. Yeah, and uh, you'll get 35 extra seconds here. Now, this race is unique because a lot of it is in these really tight channels, so. The hard part is going cleanly through them because hitting the edges will bounce you around. And it will bounce you quite a bit. Like, and it slows you down a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's really about patience and control. The uh, munchers are back. And they're hungry, so beware. But the real hard part of this level is the little acid pits. That's right. There's like five of them. Do they have a name? Six. Uh, not that I saw in the manual. They they move around is the hard part. Yeah, they'll they'll move. And it'll, it'll seems move. random. It, yes. So sometimes you'll get lucky when, when you get down there. There's you know a nice little path you can just zip right through. Uh, but sometimes you have to wait. And um, usually I haven't waited, and I've just landed in the acid. So <laughs> yeah. Um, I just have to start over. These are, aren't too bad to avoid in general, I think. No. Then after that, you have a, a tube that takes you down to another split path. That's right. This one is uh, a weird kind of conveyor belt, green mm -hmm. conveyor belt with big hill waves on it, kind of. Now, you can either get on that, and you know if you don't get off at the right time, the waves will push you to your death. Yep. Uh, the other route is a little longer, but it's so hilly that I think that's actually harder. 
than the than the short green path. I this is one where I, t- I take the the long ones. I could not master that green wave path ever. Oh, it saves you a great deal of time. Like, oh, I'm I'm sure it does. Um, I I just this was a throwback I think from my youth because there is a certain when you uh you have that hilly path where it'll you take a turn and it goes down and then you have to go up mm-hmm. to get to the final area and there's a certain like tweak around that corner if you get it just right you can just zip right up there and that was a holdover i think from my youth because i was able to bust it out pretty quick nice but again still not as short as the shortcut obviously now you've beaten this level you get to move on to level four the aerial race yeah, this is uh, it's starting to get tricky now. This is definitely, uh, you know, you're only getting 30 seconds, so they're squeezing down your time. Hopefully you have some in the bag. And you start off in a very, uh, you know, uh, precarious situation. Yeah, you're up on a, a large kind of hill thing with a mere, with a, with a little... Sliver of land. Yeah, yeah. That you jump off of. The key is you don't touch your controller yes, yeah, until just, after you've cleared this first area. Just let it do the hard work. And then, you know, your next area is full of another hazard. These weird... Uh, pop-up vacuum things yeah yeah they're they're not too bad really and especially if you can get a decent amount of speed you can usually cruise by them before they pop up yes uh then you meet up with the enemy or your co-racer and you get to experience the catapult which is pretty fun yep yep um it'll it'll throw you over to another section of the map where you then have a a split path Mm -hmm. the shorter shorter path i guess has these columns that will you know move up and down in these random uh kind of patterns Mm -hmm. and the other way is a a longer trickier just steering challenge and which way do you go uh i started going uh the shortcut because i when i first tried it i didn't know about the turbocharge so i kept trying to just fall off the ledge like Mm -hmm. you have to get some speed going to make a gap right after these uh the pillars yeah or you can wait for all of them to pop up and then fly off of those ah yeah and that's actually even easier Mm, that's a, that's a good call, but that's the way I do it. That's that's yeah, because the, the other way it's just so long. I, I was never able to make good time that way. Right, and then you also do need to use that bonus, uh, that that boost speed on a little jump right after that as well. Yeah, yeah. But then when you get to the bottom, then you get to my least favorite part of this this one. This this is the worst. Man. The hammers, the little hammers that they come out of the ground. You get a little line of like five or six of them. Mm-hmm. They seem to pop up at random, and they'll they'll knock you back or around sometimes off. Mm-hmm. And I, I always have a really hard time there. It's pretty much luck for me if I'm going to get it through cleanly or not. Yeah, same here. I just go full speed ahead, and if you're real lucky, you might just make it through, and none of them will mess with you. And if you are lucky, then you get to move on to level five. And, uh, well... The silly race. This is the silly race. Most importantly, uh, it then declares everything you know is wrong. That's right. Uh, which is pretty deep. I was taken aback <laughs> it uh sat there for a good five minutes thinking about it yeah man they they predicted that song by weird al by about 15 years so. well, yeah and what makes this rat and what makes this race so silly and everything you know is wrong is that well you're racing upward and gravity pulls you upward in this level yeah i was a little worried that my controls would be inverted as well so thankfully they're not no but you do have to get used to that weird Reverse gravity. Sure, yeah. And then on top of that, the other thing is that there are now miniature versions of the enemies. That's true, but instead of being truly foes, you can squish them. Very easily, and each squish is another three seconds. So definitely, you know... I actually go out of my way to try to get most of them. If there's one on the very edge, I'll leave it alone, but the extra three seconds is enough to, you know... You know, get out of my way just a minute. Uh, Well, normally when I would get up there, I would find there's usually three of them. Maybe, maybe four over on the right yep. side. I would just cruise through and get those and then pass it up. 
Yes. And then after that, there is a device that now lifts you a tube that takes you to the top. Yeah, it splits into two. Um, I'm pretty sure player one's always on the left and player two's on the right. I was going to ask you about that because I never got on the right. I was like, is there yeah. a way to get on the right? I don't know about. Me either. I kept trying. It, it looks easier. Button. Yeah, I know. I, that's why I wanted to get over there because the, the left side, there's a little spot where you're right by the edge of the screen, that yeah, corner. That corner is horrible. If you don't clear that area right away that you can get trapped in that corner and it's so hard to get enough momentum to yeah, pop out of that you groove. Don't, you don't have enough. It's like you have to keep falling off kind of and then you'll maybe inch up and respawn mm -hmm. just far enough to where you can get past it. That is really the hardest part of this whole level. I think so as well, yeah. Because once you clear that, we also forgot to mention this level is yellow with polka dots, just just to be a little wackier. <laughs> they said it was silly and they meant it. Um, You encounter a brand new enemy. Which is some weird uh, cone-headed bird. These weird birds fly at you, not generally too tough. Do they stun you when they hit you? I'm, Yeah, I think so. I think you just, you don't have to respawn, but it, it's just a time thing. But, um, I mean, if you're smart and good, you'll never encounter them, it's really. It's very rare. Very yeah. easy to avoid them all. The only other hard part of this level is remembering what to do at the end. Because the, the board looks like you will be able to... Oh. go around to the end right right but there's yeah. a wall there and you have to you know backtrack a little bit to get to yep. the finish line you loop around but uh, there aren't really any hazards here so this is usually where it's like you're really tight on time if you haven't been saving some up and if you are tight on time then you're really going to be in trouble and you are screwed yeah yeah <laughs> so you you hopefully you have 20 or 30 seconds at least here yes you're going to need it because uh because after this you are at the final level the ultimate race. Yeah, it's you're only getting 20 more seconds here, and this is a you're gonna need strange. more than. Yeah, this is a even you know the deadliest looking level. It's got like red and gray and some yellows and stuff. Yes, and this race is all about jumping. Yeah, so hopefully you've got some skills there, uh, and we're back to going downhill as well. Yeah, and the very first jump is hard. Yeah, you're on a a raised platform, and you have to kind of it's like a little almost ramp, kind of flat ramp. You got to turbo boost off that and hope you land in this little hole island out in space kind of and that when you go down that you'll come out one of two little vents so to speak mm -hmm. and then you'll encounter a whole new fun form of terrain the blue there's that like icy i think it's supposed yeah. to be ice that's what i thought too yeah uh it's not too hard when you first encounter it but there's a little acid man that's right in your path mm -hmm. very hard to avoid then there's the uh, the bumpy terrain. Yes. Slows you down and messes with your momentum and direction a little bit. A little bit. Really uh, not that bad. No. What's worse is the next area where you have a very slight bump in yeah, your path. Over a narrow, uh, narrow little... pretty tricky. But then it's just more ice, another enemy ball, and then you're home free. Oh, except for one last set of obstacles. <laughs> Well, this it can be very deceptive, too, because you'll you'll see the flags and think, I'm there. Yep. Or maybe I can just fall down and get that. No, you have to take this short, or it's not short, but a, a slightly raised path that really zigzags around this bottom section. Well, and it's not always there. It phases in and out. Oh, right, yeah. So yeah. you're waiting on the timing of these pieces to appear, and it's a tricky zigzaggy area at the same time. Yep. So... It's just one extra little hurdle at the end. If you have enough time, it's really not bad. But no. The, it's the time crunch that gets you here. Yeah. Now you can pull into that final finish line, and then the game is over. Sadly, you don't get any uh, cutscenes or credits. 
What, there's no end to the story of Marble Madness? There is not, but you do get a final congratulations, left player or right player. <laughs> okay, left or right, I see. Uh, yeah, and it tells you you have completed the ultimate race. Uh, then you get a bonus for finishing. Right, right. It gives you a, another bonus for the amount of time left, which you got at the end of each level. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives you a minus for the number of times you died total. And that's through the whole game, right? Through the whole game. And then it gives you a total for that, and that's all tallied to your final score. Nice. Which, I mean, I'm trying to remember. Granted, I didn't actually cheat and win. I just cheated, but I I only had like 30-something. Because you get like 20,000 or something, right? Or 50,000 as a reward for beating the final race. Yeah. So you can get a decent score. I know on their their, uh, high score, high rollers little board that comes up it's like the top one is fifty five thousand or something so i think yeah. that's pretty doable yeah if you, just beat, if you the beat the game you totally beat that i think i i might well i'm looking at it my final score is uh seventy one thousand. Oh, nice okay so definitely doable granted i did save between levels so right trying right. to maximize the amount of time i would take forward yeah i did that but i could never the first time was always the best it's so weird that is I'm a strange person Well, this is the review portion of our show, and of course we use the classic Nintendo Power Review system that has four categories, each category a possible score from 0 to 5, starting with graphics and sound. And I gave this game a 3.0. Uh, same here, yeah. I mean, if it had more graphics, I probably would have gone higher. Yeah, I think... Or the, more sound. Yeah, the music pulls it up, I think. Yes. You know, uh, what you have is good, there's just not a lot. No, and the animations are great, yeah. but again, just not a lot. And I will say, you know, having played it on the PC, it was not this colorful. It no. Was, you know what I well, mean? Well, I mean, I played it on a two-color Mac, so. <laughs> okay, yeah, so you know what I'm saying. So, you know, it looks good here, you know. It definitely does. They really use the colors well, and, you know, it, it does fool you into thinking the graphics are better than they really are. Sure, sure. And now we have Play Control, which I also gave a 3.0. I went with 2.5, but, I mean, I could see it's it's not bad. It doesn't you know, give th- you a lot to do, so. For Translating from a trackball to a D-pad, I find it surprisingly good. That's true, that's true. Most games that start with a trackball or a spinner Uh just are impossible to play on any other uh, control scheme. That's true, yeah. I mean, like, when's the last time you enjoyed an Arkanoid? Right, right. That wasn't on a spinner. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like that was a really huge achievement. And I feel like I'm almost always in pretty good control of the ball. Yeah, yeah. I knew what was up. uh, Or marble. when When I failed, it was my fault. Now we have Challenge Factor, Nick. Uh, I went with the 3.0. That's what I gave it. Um, I think it can be very hard until you know what to expect. Yeah. Um, and then once you do, it's all about shaving off that time, mm-hmm. which is still a challenge. Yeah, it's it's challenging in its way. Uh, the, the toughest thing about it is that you have to go through it all every time. Yes, and the fact that there's no continues or no lives. So, yeah, you just, you know, it becomes a matter of, you know, you'll memorize the first three or four levels, you know, apparently for 20 years because it was still there when I came back. So yeah. I was, I was happy about that. And then finally we have theme and fun. Uh, I went with 3.0. I think it's a fun game. There's not a I, lot of theme there. But. I also gave it a 3.0. They do enough to make the levels look different and feel a little different. Yeah. Like, it feels like you're getting into harder areas by the color tones. The wacky level is a little more fun. They got some mm-hmm. polka dots in there. Yeah. And that final level does seem intimidating. Yeah. But overall, it's just a really fun concept, and it's it's carried over well onto the Nintendo. Yeah, and I think its brevity works for it, too, in that way. Oh, definitely. Definitely. 
So, Nick, should you play this game? I think so. I think it's worth a try. It's a, it's a classic game that was around on a lot of cons- or a lot of systems, so yeah. it's worth a shot. It's short enough that if you like it, you might be able to just play it and get a little better. I agree entirely. Um, why not? This game's so short, and it is a you know can be highly addictive, as I have pointed out yeah, many yeah. times. So, you know, check it out, and maybe you too will find yourself pulled into the marble madness. Mm. Next week's game will be Goonies 2 for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Don't worry, you don't need to play Goonies 1. <laughs> Just find a copy of this game any way you can, grab your controllers, and play along, friends. That's right, and if you have fallen victim to Marble Madness, uh, you can email us your symptoms at cartridgecommand at gmail.com, and uh, we will diagnose you with a cure. Or if the madness has become so fervent that you must share your knowledge with the world, you can plaster it all over Facebook at Cartridge Command. Yeah. Or on the Twitterverse at Cart Command. You'll find us there, and I also uh, sometimes post updates about when the show airs. But the best way to find out is to subscribe, and you'll get our weekly podcast when it comes out. It is truly the best. Now, this show is made possible by the fine and wonderful folks that give to us at patreon.com slash cartridge command. Yeah, gamers like you. The gamers like you and all of your marbles support the show. <laughs> because without you, we wouldn't have the money to... Uh, we wouldn't have any marbles. We wouldn't have, yeah, we wouldn't have the money to invest in our soundboard, our fees, our hosting, and all that fun stuff that you don't really think about but has to be done. It's there, man. It, it is there. We gladly give you our time if you'll give us your money. And as long as that uh, scenario equals out, we'll keep making this show. So thank you all so very much. Yeah. And as always, Cartridge Commandos, game on! I got an ad for the German Cartographic Society. Sweet. What? The Germans. We make the maps. They make it. Okay. Mm.